Okay, I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. Say loud like, loud like you believe it. I am being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a consequence of this. I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing the knowledge of God. Say the word of God is coming for this evening. And I have understanding in it. I have insight. I receive my portion. God talks to me in it. He gives me direction. He gives me correction. To the glory of his most holy name. In the name of Jesus Christ. Before you sit down, please shake somebody on your left and your right. Welcome the person. Say you are very wise. You came. You are very wise. You are very, very wise. He said, people who are not so wise, they've gone to watch football. <laughs> they have gone to sleep. But you are here, you are very wise. Tell the fellow, your life will turn around. God will take you to a higher level. God will do something new in your life. The entrance of this word will give you light. It will give you understanding. It will give you life. It will heal you. It will heal you. Tell the person to heal you. Tell the person you are healed by the entrance of the word. Tell the person to make you rich. It will end your poverty, end your lack, end all your troubles in the name of Jesus. Shake somebody and say you are blessed, you are welcome. Tell the person you are blessed, you are welcome. Meanwhile, take your seats. Alright, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. I'm going to have to make you stand up again in a moment. I just feel like we should do that to read two portions of the Holy Bible together. And the first one, which we are taking for our teaching this evening, of course, yesterday we began the issue of how to know the will of God for our lives. And I explained extensively yesterday that the major problem that Christians have is that they are not learning to define their lives in Christ Jesus. We can have problems in life. We read from the book of John chapter 9. We can have problems in life. But then let's not stay digging where it began from. Sometimes you see people take time out, take a long history. I heard somebody say, if your great-grandfather or your great-great-great-grandfather was a slave trader, it means that your family will be breaking. Why? Because your, family, your father used to break people's homes. Because he would go and catch slaves and sell them. Thereby, thereby disrupting people's families. Now listen to this. That may be true. Your father may have done that. But when they asked Jesus, who sinned that this man should be born blind? He said, is irrelevant. The man did not sin. His parents did not sin. The fact is that he is blind. And for, for the glory of God to be revealed in his blindness, I must walk the works of him that sent me while it is day. He was not saying that God made him blind so he can take cheap glory. That's not the point. He was just saying, let's not address where it came from. Let's walk the work of God in him so that God's glory can be manifested. All right? Very important. So we said, forget all of those history about your life. What is important is that Jesus is the one healing you. Jesus is the one bringing you out of blindness and bringing you into a clear uh, world where you can see the world clearly. So even though your great-grandfather was a slave trader, it doesn't matter. Jesus has set you free. 
your own home will not break. If you believe that, say amen. amen. It doesn't matter why your, your, your grandfather was poor. Maybe he was an Obanji spirit, like they say. It's irrelevant. If anyone is in Christ, he, and applies to she also, is a new creation. The, why I like the word creation is that it's a whole new process that God began. God is doing something new in your life. So if you are here this evening and you have believed, I want you to understand that these so-called ancestral problems, they are not your portion. Do you get my point? They are not the reasons why you are having troubles. Please let me just take a minute again and explain this to Christians. Because one of the problems we have in today's Christianity is that people are very good at diagnosis. They sit down and be diagnosing your problem. It's because there is somebody next to your house, a neighbor, that does not want you to succeed. People are sitting down trying to decipher where the problem came from. But they are not applying the right solution. Sometimes I have this discussion with people. I say, okay, after you have done this analysis, what is the solution? They will now say, go to the village and go and approve the tree that was planted. Please turn to your neighbor and say, that's nonsense. All right? You did not see Jesus heal anybody in the Bible by going to uproot any tree. You didn't see him, Paul, do that by uprooting any tree. If anyone is in Christ, the connection with the tree has passed away. Are you getting my point? So you can do any analysis. What is now the solution? Everything comes to one place. In Christ Jesus, all things are what? Passed away. If anybody is not pointing you to that cross, he doesn't have understanding. If people say, no, what you need to do is do seven days fast to break the ancestral curse, you don't know what you are saying. What I need to do to break an ancestral curse is to believe in the Lord Jesus. Once you believe the ancestral curses are, you know, they are taken and nailed to his cross. Even though it was done before, but suddenly it becomes real in your own life. I hope you are getting my point. You don't need to stay up all night trying to pray until you break an ancestral curse. Don't waste your time digging up things that are buried. Now, I'm addressing these things because, because these are the issues in today's Christianity. It is not the amount of offering you give that will break the curse. I heard one of the most stupid things a, a preacher can say recently, a few months ago. I, and that's the only way I can say it. Sometimes my wife says, don't be so hard. I say, well, how else do I say it? If you come in the morning and start to wake up in the morning, you're walking naked on the street. Won't I say it's a very stupid thing for you to do? Do you get my point? Yeah, so let's just call it speed a speed. I'm not just trying to say it's an agricultural equipment. It's a speed. Now the man woke up one day, came to church, and said that today he's going to take his special offering. What is his special offering? Some of you, before you were born or when you were young, your father went to a witch doctor's house, a native doctor's house, and made a pledge, maybe of goat or cow, before you were delivered, or shortly when you were young, so that you, know, you won't fall sick again. And that right now, the spirits are asking for their pay. Did you hear what I said? That is why you're having troubles, that the spirits want to collect the money your father promised. That, no, the cow that your father promised. So what you will do this morning, to break all your troubles, come and pay. But you won't go to the shrine, but you will come to the altar. That pastor says you are collecting the spirit's offering. What's your problem? You know, the whole logic does not tie. It doesn't tie. Please, I'm saying these things. It's not really my main message, but I want to free Christians. I want to free us believers. That message, in fact, somebody told one of my sisters attended that church. She was so upset that day. That what kind of thing is this? And people, of course, they don't know. All of them rushing to the front. He said, well, since you don't know exactly how much, did you just pay for a cow? Because it could have been, <laughs> do you understand my point? It could have been a goat. It could have been, you know, meh, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> so what do you do? Just pay for a cow. When she told me that day, I said, this is sad. I immediately called one of the senior pastors in the church that I knew. I said, listen to what is going on in one of your branches. He said, if our big man hears this, he will sack that man on the spot. 
But people were there obeying it. Please, this is my message to you. You have been set free in Christ Jesus. I preached that yesterday. I want to say it again. You say, but Pastor Banky, I've had problems. Even Jesus had problems. Who doesn't have problems? You and I are a problem to himself. <laughs> the kind of embarrassment we have caused. I mean, so what is the big deal? If Judas is in your ministry, you have a serious problem. Judas was his treasurer. If they come one day and crucify you, don't you think that's a problem? He had problems. Even God at the point in time had problems. The Bible says he looked and said he felt bad that he created man and put him on this earth. So you have problems? So what? There are three reasons Christians have problems. Number one is ignorance. And those are the things I tried to thrash out yesterday, which I'm explaining again in a short review. We can have problems because we don't know the truth. We can have problems. That's number one. And that one is so important. I gave it my bad story because it's such a beautiful story. Many people will pray for a whole night or two because they saw a bat. I went with a friend of mine once. When I wanted to marry this, my wife, I asked her, I said, please, I want to marry you. I'm, going to, I'm about to go and declare my manifesto. I need to grow with you. I think the girl will agree. So let me go and buy a ring. So I said, I didn't have money that time. So I, liked, I always take the testimony of the ring. The ring was 300 naira. Amen? <laughs> so I asked a friend of mine, please. Can you follow me to the market? I need to buy a ring. I want to go and beg this woman to marry me. If she agrees, I have to give her something to wear. And I've used time to check her size. I know the size. I know her style. You say, ah, what's on your finger? Let me see. <laughs> you pull it out. And put it on your own. Checking which of your fingers. <laughs> so I had crammed it. <laughs> so we got there to the market. We're going from one shop to the other, trying to get a nice, simple, you know, GL ring, you know, so that we can go and do the will of God. Amen. So while we're standing there, somebody in the, in, the, in the shop was doing something, maybe moving. Anyways, let me explain. The lady mistakenly splashed water. Now, in my assessment, it was a mistake. But the, spl- the water hit me and the person with me. And she said, Banky, come, let's go. I said, why? She said, they are splashing water. I said, so. She said, this shop that they are already splashing water. Let's go, let's go. I reject it, I reject it. Ah! I was embarrassed. Me that came to buy a ring, I'm not rejecting it. I'm the one carrying money. What's your problem? <laughs> and this is the problem Christians have. I was in a, an office one day. Here, you know, my office. One of, well, not my own, but in my institution where I work. And the one woman was singing that hey, this, this office where Coke is exploding. Because somebody dropped a bottle of Coke. And the thing burst open. And she said, explosion is unusual with Coke. I'm serious. Began to anoint the place and cast the explosion out. And I was looking. People will tell you, don't give money to a beggar because they can use your money to jazz you. You've heard that one before? I hope you don't believe it. <laughs> one day somebody said, somebody touched my husband and John Thomas disappeared. <laughs> you know, you start wondering. I went, and they come and give testimony. Praise God, we began to confess. It came back. If you catch cold, it go disappear. <laughs> Guys, you never catch cold before. This kind of matter, you wake up on bad money, not wear clothes. Everything is disappearing. And people come and give testimony. A man touched me. You know why they watch too many films? He said, Pastor, why don't you react the way they react? Because I have a kind of confidence that in Christ Jesus, none of these things can touch me. If you splash water, it is water. 
This was Lagos, hot Lagos. It's, a, it's comfort they are giving you. Splash water on your body. The reason why I have, it's, simple, it's simply because, listen, my confidence is in Christ. Some say, I have prayed, the devil can't touch me. The devil will touch you because you said that. That statement you made is the very reason why the devil is coming to attack you that night and God will allow him. Don't open your mouth and say that kind of nonsense. Your protection is not because of your prayer. It's because you are hidden in Christ. If you say, the devil can't touch me, I say, why? I say, because I'm hidden, I'm hidden in Christ. The Bible said, my life is hid with Christ in God. Then you are safe. Is that after I fasted for one week, I'm waiting for the devil. Forget it. The devil only comes after you have fasted. You know when I sit there, people say, eh, is that so? Go and read your Bible. After Jesus had fasted for 40 days, then the tempter came. Your weakest moment is the day after the fast ended. So don't have confidence in that. Your confidence can only be in Christ Jesus. Are you getting my point? Your confidence can only be in Christ Jesus. When you wake up in the morning, say, my confidence is in Christ. What will my future be like? It's safe. Why? It is in Christ. What will my life be like? It is safe. Why? It is in Christ. Not because I have done anything. You have a PhD does not mean you succeed in life. There are people who get PhD today, they die tomorrow. Some get it today, go mad the following day. It doesn't guarantee anything. The only guarantee we have in life is that we are in Christ. Your own personal righteousness does not guarantee anything. The only guarantee you have is that you are in Christ. And I like that scripture, that Psalm 91, that says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. For us, the secret place is abiding in Christ. Yesterday, I talked about that extensively. And it's a passion of my heart. Do you understand? For Christians to understand, because it's a very common problem these days. Subtly, little by little, they drag our lucky. Remember my lucky story yesterday? My dog, Lucky. They drag us away from where we are hidden in Christ. Why? Little by little, we start putting confidence in our works. We start putting confidence in our works. If something goes wrong, you say, which work am I not doing properly? I hear funny stories. Like if your tire, one man was preaching. He said, one day he was traveling, his tire went down. He said, everybody, come out. Who didn't pay tight here? <laughs> you know, some of these things are only worthy of comedy. It's things that basket mouth, Alibaba, they should be the ones using some of these things. Your tire went down, and he says, who didn't pay tight here? You know, you hear some things, you wonder that, is it Christianity we are practicing? I'll tell you why your tire can go down. Because God doesn't want you to go to that place, or you are using bad tire. That's one of the things. If you have an old bad tire, it will go down one day. Every old tire eventually goes down. It has nothing to do whether you tightened or did not tighten. And sometimes, God uses a, a, a bad tire to deliver you from trouble. These are the things we do. And little by little, we are dragging ourselves from where God has hidden us. Listen, child of God, don't ever have confidence in what you are doing yourself. Your confidence must always be in what Jesus did for you. That was what we preached yesterday. I'm almost preaching the message all over again. But I will try not to. Remember, you are safe only in Christ. Christ is a realm. There's one of our messages. I, I don't know. In fact, I think we should do a compilation of all the messages we thought of Christ in Christ. We should. But if you go there, you find many of them. You can go to our website, pastor.ng. All right? I think it's written clearly on, this, on, on top of that thing there. Just type of the website. You see a lot of messages which I thought on this Christ thing. Because Christ, there's many things to that word Christ. 
Christ is a realm of existence. Christ, of course, is Jesus Christ our Lord. But then having died for us, he placed us in a realm of existence. On the right hand of God. That is called Christ also. And we have to be careful to abide in him all, at all times. We don't put our confidence in what we can do or what we have done. We don't put our confidence in our righteousness at all. The Lord Jesus told a story about, about is it three or four sets of human beings that he came to, to we were talking about a man who was looking for laborers. Came first in the morning, had some people. One hour to closing time, he had some other people. At the end of the day, you know what he did? He paid those who worked a whole day and those who worked for only one hour the same amount of money. And those ones said, ah, those ones that work the whole day say, how come you are paying us the same amount of money? They say, is it not my money? Very good question. He said, I have the right to do with it as I, see, as I see fit. It's my money. But you know what Jesus was telling us? It is not the amount of work you have done that decides what I give to you. I said something yesterday. People say that when you get to heaven, people like Pastor, yeah, they, boy, they, they, they have mansion. I told you it's rubbish talk. You don't know who has mansion. Go and read this book. I like to recommend books. The Final Quest by Rick Joyner. And if you have not read it, you are doing yourself a great disservice. When I first got married that time, there are things I used to tell my wife before that. She was wondering that because, you know, <laughs> I'm a very unusual preacher. I'm used to it. I will say some things. People will say, what do you mean? But then she bought the book and read it. The Final Quest. Going through the book, she said, these are the things you've been saying by teaching. I said, oh, now you now believe because they are prophecies now. Because somebody prophesied. I said, listen, these are the facts of life. These, please go and get the book. Let me not talk about it. The Final Quest by Rick Joyner. Well, I'm referring to the book this time now, all right? So you will see how God rewards people. There was a young boy, young man, who did nothing. The way he built church, preached large crowd. He didn't do anything. He won only one person to Christ before he died. Well, at least we don't... Well, let me not, that's not very accurate. But he used to share tracts. But he didn't do any evangelism. One day he died. And you know why he died? He froze to death was cold, alright? He froze to death. But the real reason why he died was that heaven loved him so much, they wanted him to come up to heaven. Regina happened to recognize him in real life. I knew this guy. But he said when he saw him in heaven, he was sitting on a massive throne. And he said, what happened? He said, to whom much is given, much is expected. That he had only little. The little he had was all he used. God rewarded him for things like not killing a cat. Because a cat annoyed him. What you wouldn't have thought was a big thing. But he was such an angry person. Because he was deaf, he was dumb. His parents rejected him, neglected him. They maltreated him. Nobody had ever loved him. You don't know how God's rewarding people. That's what I'm emphasizing. Let me not preach that message now. Yeah, God rewarded that young man mightily. God knew how he was judging it. Jesus said, listen, it's my money. Let me just summarize it like this. I give it to those who follow me by faith. You walk from morning till night. Doesn't mean you will get more than those who walk from one hour ago till now. Let your confidence only be in Christ. Let your confidence only be in Christ. I hear funny talk. I've given money to this prophet who's praying for me. Is the reason why you will have trouble. You are having confidence in the fact that the prophet is praying for you. Who told you his, pro- his prayer is more, co- is more powerful than that of your own? In fact, anybody that doesn't know you personally, his prayer is not as powerful as that of the person that knows you personally. Like I said yesterday, the most powerful prophecy that a wife can have is from the mouth of her husband. The pastor is prophesying for 10,000 people. 
doesn't know any one of them. It's only as the faith of each person is collecting that they can get, not according to his own power. No? It's their faith. If one man is prophesying over 10,000 people, listen, each person better muster up your faith. It's not his power. Just that when you know him, like if Pastor Iyadibu enters here now, if he says, you will be blessed in Jesus' name, people will be blessed. You know why? They come with their faith charged. Say, man of God has come. And then they will be blessed. They don't think it's the man. It's not the man. It's the faith. Jesus was walking by the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus did not know she was there. She touched him. The hem of his garment, not even him personally. Something flowed into her, healed her of 12-year ailment. But listen to me. When somebody knows you personally, I don't want to teach that message now, but for Jesus to raise Lazarus from the dead, he had to know Lazarus personally. The widow of nine is a different story. But after four days dead, no be normal anointing. <laughs> Go and read your Bible. The Bible says he was groaning himself. Lazarus' case was a personal thing with him. It was like his younger brother died. Listen, don't put your hope in any prophet. Put your hope in the word of God. That's what I'm going to emphasize. Only in God's word. If you take these scriptures, you understand? You relate with the word of God. You, you personally relate with the preaching of God's word. And then you open your mouth and utter. I wanted to explain something today. That you are your own personal greatest prophet. The greatest prophet in your life is you. If you wake up in the morning, face the wall, a mirror, and prophesy to that mirror, that has more power than if I prophesied for you. If, if I call Pastor Iyadeboye, Bishop David Yedepo, and uh, who else? Bishop Michael Konko, if I'm another person, Papa Yedepo, gather them, I will not start prophesying for you. It is not as effective as if you stand and say, this is what will happen to me. Your own words are more powerful. No matter what they say, if you don't agree, people say, if Jesus says yes, nobody can say no. You can say no. <laughs> if Jesus says yes and you say no, no is no. You know, he's been saying yes to everybody to give their life to Christ. Have they given it to him? They said, no, I want to be an Amorabah. What can he do? <laughs> Jesus, he said, come, I'm knocking. He said, no, I want to be an Amorabah. And there's nothing he can do. I want us to get our, take up our personal responsibilities and abide in Christ and in Christ alone. Let me say it again. You have succeeded in Christ. Somebody give me an amen. amen. All your ancestral curses, they have been broken in Christ. Give me an amen. amen. No matter what be the troubles of your past, in Christ they have been wiped away. Amen. No matter what might be the magnitude of the sins of your childhood and your early days, once you give your life to Christ, you have been forgiven. Amen. Say amen, like you want to be forgiven. Yeah. That is the reality. Only in Christ. Only in Christ. If we make our boast, our boast must only be in Christ. Are you going to succeed in life? Yes. How do you know? You know, my father is connected, you know. He's, he's Dangote's friend. And, you know, when Buhari won the election, I knew we were in power. Because the um, Buhari's wife, you know, is my auntie's classmate in, in FGGC, Zaria. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, yes. And, you know, just to prepare for the appointments, I'm doing an MBA right now in Harvard, you know. <laughs> we thank God. And uh, while I was doing MBA in Harvard, Bill Gates... Um, you know, younger brother was my lecturer and he liked me being the only Nigerian, you know. All flesh is grass. Connection with Bill Gates is what? Grass. Being related to head of, the head of state is what? Grass. 
having the best degrees in the world in the world is what? Grass. Just wait till the day God blows upon it. Those you are seeing, just be watching them. One day God will come out. <laughs> when he blows, when he blows, that's the end of it. You'll see that everything is grass. But the word of God endures forever. If God, by relating with his word, breaks something in your life, people with PhD will work for you. Let me prophesy for somebody. Those who are laughing at you today, they, their children, we have applied to work for you. Amen. This is the rule of God. Esau, we always serve Jacob. Jacob is a fellow that has respect for the covenant with God. And Esau is that person that knows how to labor and use human connections. When you have done everything, God says, all of you gather, go and queue up and work for Jacob. That is the way it works. I hope you've got to my point. That's just a summary of what we discussed yesterday. Let's read the Bible today. Now, I wanted us to stand up earlier, but let's not bother because I've already taken time and started teaching. Let's just quickly get... We're going to read two portions, and I want all of us to read them together. Let's read them heartily, these two portions of the Bible that we have to read. First one from um, the book of Romans, chapter 8. Today, I want to speak about being led by the Spirit of God. We're talking about how to know the will of God. Yesterday, which was what I revealed just now, I've said everything that God wants to do for us, He has made our own in Christ Jesus. So now let's look at um, how to be led, or what it means to be led by the Spirit of God. And I'm going to read two portions of the Scriptures, and we are going to read them together so that um, we'll have a nice time together. The book of Romans chapter 8 is the first one we are going to read. Now we're going to read from verse... Um, we're going to read about um, 14 verses, I think. Let me see the number of them I want us to read. Yeah. We're going to read from verse 1. Whichever version you have, read. Don't shout too loud, but don't read under your breath. Read so that two people on your side can hear you clearly, all right? All right, one, two, let's go. Verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Verse 3. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. How sending his son Jesus in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. Verse 4. So that the righteous requirement of the law might fulfill in us who do not work according to the spirit flesh, but according to the spirit. 5. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death. For the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Verse 7, because the mindset on the flesh is whole tied towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 9, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is, does not belong to him. Verse 10, if Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. <coughs> 12. Hold them, brethren. We are not under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. 
But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Verse 14, last. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Let's stop here. Praise the Lord. Actually, for a moment, I wish I read this alone. Do you know why? <laughs> I wanted to be laying emphasis as I was going. Okay? So, I will have to go back and highlight some points here before we read the other one, which is the book of Exodus chapter 14. Well, let me just highlight some points here. If you get down to, if you go back to uh, verse um, 3, he said there was something that the law was supposed to do, but it could not do because it was weak through the flesh. Please bear that in mind. The law was supposed to do something, but because of the weakness, because it was walking through the flesh, the law could not do it. Now, bear that one in mind. Also, he says something that the mind, he said, verse 5, those who set their minds on the things of the flesh, he said they are living according to the flesh. And those who set their minds on the things of the spirit are the ones that are living according to the spirit. Please bear these two things in mind. Now, at the end of the dinner, said, as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, let's just quickly read the other one together. The book of Exodus chapter 14. I want us to read the Bible, so that's why I'm just engaging us. We are going to read from verse um, 1. We'll read up to verse 7. Sorry, we'll read up to verse 11. Now let's start. We'll be quick because of time. From verse 1, let's go. There's some elders of the Israel came to me and sat down before me. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Okay, you know what? Let's do something here. Let me read this one alone. Okay? Let me read it alone, please. Okay? I think we have had nice communion in Romans chapter 8. Let's, let me read this one alone. Now, the book of Exodus chapter 14. Ezekiel, that's Exodus. Did I say Exodus? No wonder there's confusion. It's the book of Ezekiel. <laughs> oh, God. I told you Exodus. I opened Ezekiel, which is where I apologize, you see. Now, let me give you a minute to go there. Ezekiel chapter 14. I apologize. Alright, are you there? Now, let me read from verse 1. Just follow in whichever translation you have. It said, Then some elders of Israel came to me and sat down before me, and the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts, and have put right before their faces the stumbling block of their iniquity. Should I be consulted by them at all? Now, let me stop. It's good I'm reading it alone, so I can highlight it as I go on. Some elders of Israel came, and they came to see the prophet. They wanted him to tell them what God is saying. Which work should I do? Who should I marry? Which Should I move to America or stay in Nigeria? If I stay in Nigeria, should I be in Abuja? Should I go to Meduguri or go to Port Harcourt? They said, okay, if I go to America, where should I settle? Should I go to New York or go to Arizona? Or no, let me go to where there are plenty of Nigerians. Like, let me stay in Houston or stay in um, Atlanta. Which one does God want? And they all sat down. Or should I start a church or become another Rehan Bunky? I'm a minister. They came to Ezekiel. And Ezekiel, I mean, attended to them and the word of the Lord came to him. And this was what God said. He said, Ezekiel, listen. 
These men have set up their idols in their hearts and have put right before their faces the stumbling block of their iniquity. Should I be consulted by them at all? Therefore speak to them and tell them, Thus says the Lord God, Any man of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart puts right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will be brought to give him an answer in the matter by myself. He said, in view of the multitude of his idols. That is how I will answer him. That's verse 4. I, the Lord, will be brought to give him an answer in the matter in view of the multitude of his idols. In order to lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel, who are estranged from me through all their idols. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord, Repent and turn away from your idols, and turn your faces away from all your abominations. For any one of the house of Israel, or of the immigrants who stay in Israel who separates himself from me, number one, separates himself from me, sets up his idols in his heart, puts right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity, and then comes to the prophet to inquire of me for himself. I, the Lord, be brought to answer him in my own person. I will set my face against that man. Please notice this. The man has come to say, God, what do you want me to do? God said, I will look at your heart, and if things are not in order, I will set my face against you and make that man, he says, a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from among my people, so you will know that I am the Lord. But if the prophet is prevailed upon to speak a word, it is I, the Lord, who have prevailed upon that prophet. I will stretch out my hand against him and destroy him from among my people Israel. They will bear the punishment of their iniquity. As iniquity of the inquirer is, so the iniquity of the prophet will be, in order that the house of Israel may no longer stray, far, uh, stray from me and no longer defile themselves with all their transgressions. Thus, they will be my people, and I will be their God, declares the Lord God. Praise the Lord. I say, praise the Lord. Now, why did I read this? We are talking about how to be led. That is, what it means to be led by the Spirit of God. Let me start by talking about, let me first analyze this expression you hear, God told me, from what we have said here. Let me first say something that T.D. Jake said. He said, T.D. Jake said something that you hear people say all the time. God told me to do this. God told me to do this. Why are you wearing this? God told me to wear blue this morning. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And T.D. Jake said that's very funny. He said, don't be ridiculous. That no truly powerful person talks all the time. That God doesn't just open his mouth and yak, 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 yak in the way. Because what, who are you? What do you think you are? Now listen. Let me give you something that I learned from God. <laughs> in my personal life. Some of you here may have met me before. Maybe you came to my ministry office and you asked to speak with me. And I refused. There was one young man, he came all the way from Sukkot. He said, I wanted to talk to me. I said, I told him I don't know him. I said, I don't know you. He said, he needs to talk to me. I said, I'm not talking to you. Finally, I said, listen, if you want to talk to me, go and talk to one of the people that work with me. I said, talk to this guy. So he went and spoke. After I said, he came, he said, want to talk to me. I said, sorry, I'm not going to talk to you. And now, if, in case you're wondering, do you know why I do it? I think you're, being, you're not being kind. And you'll see what I mean in a moment. Most of the times, if you ever heard this, uh, this man, uh, T.D. Jakes, why he became, why he wrote the book, Woman That I Had Lost, he said, after I ca- he counseled so many women, 
he found out that all the problems were essentially the same. So he said, okay, instead of counseling people one by one, why don't I just talk to them as a group? So while talking to them as a group, they kept on gathering and gathering and gathering. He now put everything into a book called Woman Thou Art Loose. That's how he, became, he began that series, Woman Thou Art Loose, the conventions he holds. Now, I'm explaining something here. So you find out that, why don't I talk to people who just come up here? I say, listen, many questions people get to ask me, there are things I have preached about. If you go to our website, as of today, you can download over 1,000 messages. I'm not exaggerating. I mean, literally, complete messages, over 1,000, on different topics, on money, on, well, I don't do much of marriage, even though people think I should, but I have a few of, of that also there. On different subjects, on faith, on, you know, problems of a Christian. I said, when you now come and say that I should listen to you and talk to only you, you want me to preach the message I preach to multitudes only you. You must be feeling very important. I used to say you have answered all the questions. I say no. I'm not sure I've answered all the questions. But go and listen to the ones I've answered first. Then if the answer is not inside there, you can now come. We will now discuss. That way you don't wear me out. I'm just preserving myself for my wife, my children, and everybody I'm preaching to. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm going to explain? So that's my reason. But one young man came one day. He had called them the office. He had talked to one of our brothers. And that one said, okay, I will arrange. You will talk to Pastor. So he told me, I said, Pastor, this guy is coming. He wants to talk to you. I think you should talk to him. So when I get that kind of recommendation, of course, they know my rules. So, so when he came, he wanted to talk to me. You know, the first thing he said, he said, good evening, sir. I want you to know I have read all your books. That was the first thing he told me. I have listened to all the messages you have on the website. Because he knew, I said, yeah, and I want to talk to you. I said, sit down. Me and you can talk. Because, you see, <laughs> you already know what I'm going to say, how I'm thinking. That's the, my reason. And this has happened many times. People will come up and say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I say, have you read this book? Okay, we'll start talking. I want to finish finish. I say, have you read this book? He says, no. And the, one of the books, this one, um, um, especially this particular book, By Faith, Acquire Life. I wrote it. I said, I've read it. He said, no. I said, go and buy a copy and go and read. I said, then you see me next time. Next time, the person comes back and says, no need. I've read the book. I'm okay. There's one particular brother I have in mind right now. He bought the book, read it. He started buying it every day. He started sharing to all his friends. He said, they have my kind of problems. They don't, <laughs> that this is their solution. He started sharing the books to them. I said, this is why I said people don't need, I don't want to just talk to you if, you are, if I'm not sure you have listened to me. Because you are giving me a double job. Please follow this. You'll see where I'm going. So when TDJ says, people say, God told me to do, talk to me. God told me to do. It's feeling very spiritual. Most of the God told me, unless, unless it is specifically for ministry work, if it's your personal life, it's not a sign of spirituality. It's a sign of lack of understanding. Sometimes people will tell me, I fasted for three days, and God told me, they say, you did three days of not eating to hear this? Why didn't you just call me? I would have told you. Because it is so clear. It is so clear. I'm going somewhere. Most times people tell me, God told me. God didn't tell them anything. Please, I always like to start like this because, you see, I want to say something now. That's what I mean. I want to start like this. Let me clearly say something. When I talk like this, people are not used to hearing me. They say, Pastor Banky does not believe the Holy Spirit talks to people. <laughs> you know, people just hear what they want to hear. I didn't say that. I'm just saying most times people say God told them things. Most times he did not. How do I know? Just experience. 
Just observing people. God talks to people. God communicates specifically to people different ways. He can talk through dreams. He can talk through visions. You can have a strong impression of the Holy Spirit inside your heart. He can do that. Sometimes angels will stop you on the way and talk to you. Sometimes you know there are angels. Sometimes you don't realize there are angels. That happens. Sometimes God will send somebody to call you and talk to you. And the person will call you and say, I have a word from God. Other times they won't say that. They will just say, I've been thinking about you for the last few days and this is just in my heart. Please let me talk to you. So there are different ways. Sometimes you hear the literal voice of the Holy Spirit and you will think that, it says, who said that? I've never had that experience, but I've had people talk about it. And I know it is genuine. It's in the scriptures like that. So God does that. But listen to me, he doesn't do it all the time. When you read the Bible, so a man like Abraham, you'll be surprised to know that God spoke to him all his life just a few times. God will talk to him today and he won't hear anything for the next 15 years. Yet every day he has to walk according to the will of God. It becomes a, or it has become a Christian language for people to say, God told me this, God told me that. Many times God didn't say anything to anybody. People just do what they want to do. And when they don't want you to talk, they say, God told me. That way you shut up. Of course, if I come, he said, Pastor Banky, what are you doing this morning? I say, I want to trek from here to um, Okwara Square. Are you exercising? No. I want to go with your car. Say, God told me to walk. You can't talk again. No matter how stupid they appear, you better keep quiet. Otherwise, you are fighting not just me now, but somebody else. So many people use it to hide. And this is a terrible part, and that's where I want to start my message from. A man divorced, no, a man. <laughs> you know, when I want to say funny things, I laugh first. <laughs> when, is the, when is really funny? They say one man has 11 children. Nothing wrong with 11 children. It's the will of God. If I remain one, one to be complete. <laughs> Nothing wrong with 11 children, right? It's as you like it, amen? But that's not the gist. On top of that, they now found him one day that he has another girlfriend outside. So the person now comes and what are you doing? He said, God told me I need that other one too. <laughs> that is the gist. The person looked like, what? There are men who are committing adultery. When they talk, they say, God said to me, this girl. I'm te- I'm not- there are people who have divorced their wives and they say, why? Because God told me to. There are men who have stolen money and say, God told them to. That's where I'm going. Once, there's a joke. Once, me and Yenka went to preach, and he was watching a joke on his... Not a joke, it was a study they did, a survey. Interviewing different people. Will you sleep with your, with your boss for promotion or for employment, or any one of the two? And people say, eh, Tufiagwa, how will I do that kind of thing? No, I will never do it. Somebody say, it depends. What is it? It depends. That, that was not funny. The one guy said, I will if God tells me to. That is the joke. I will if God tells me to. You are laughing because you know it's a very stupid statement to make. Why are you laughing? Because you know God will not tell you to. For that reason, if somebody comes and says to you, yesterday, 
You know, I've been praying, I've been praying for this job, and I've prayed, I sowed a seed, I wanted myself, I struck myself with a mantle, and I washed my feet, and did everything. I sow special seed, breakthrough offering, breakdown offering, overtake offering. Then finally, as I was going for the interview, I was ready, I was charged by the Spirit. But suddenly they said, listen, this is the appointment letter. The top job, start with half a million a month, official car. But then the man who's supposed to give him the big boss now said that I need to sleep with him. So initially I said no. Then I went home, I began to pray. And the Lord said, I asked my daughter, do it. It is me that sent him. <laughs> you know the moment you hear that, you will tell her, my sister is a lie. Why do you say that? You will turn to her and say, no, it is not. He said, no. And the guy said, listen, let me prove it to you. I was sleeping at night and I was dreaming. In that dream, an angel appeared wearing white and he said, that thing that I asked you for yesterday, God said I should tell you, do it tomorrow. And when I woke up in the morning, a prophet was passing, knocked and said, it's your name. Um, may, let's look for one name that no human being bears. Are you the, oh, the, cl- the, the, the cloud girl? There's no name like that, all right? <laughs> he said, yes. Ah! <laughs> Spirit said, do it, do it. It's the will of God. And she tells you all these stories. We used to believe her. No matter what she says, she says, okay, forget it. That you cannot use iniquity to do the will of God. It's common knowledge. But people do it every day. So you see, from what the story have told, visions, dreams, prophecies, do not mean anything if they don't align with the word of God. Let's get that clear. Now I've used that extreme, which happens to emphasize a particular point. That listen, the number one way God speaks to people is not through special methods. The number one way God speaks to people is not through dreams, it's not through visions, it's not through prophets. I'm talking about being led by the Spirit. The number one way God speaks to people or God leads people, listen to what I'm saying carefully. The number one way He leads people is by, listen. Is by his spirit inside them. And I'll explain what that means. Number one way he leads people, I'm going to say the same thing another way, is by the knowledge of right and wrong as taught by his spirit, not by their village standards. Because I have seen people tell me corruption is not bad, it's, you know, it's the situation of the country. So the spirit of God inside people, giving them insight and understanding. Is the number one way he leads his people. It is not by special manifestations. I need to explain that. That's where I'm beginning my message from. Sometimes Christians think that God leads you because you learn how to hear his voice. It's a very popular teaching. I thought about I thought, I mean, I believed it for a long time until God began to give me an say, bank. It's not like this. I want to review some of the things we believed. I found that we were misunderstanding some concepts. And one of them I want to explain is this being led by the Spirit of God. See, the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So now say, what did the Spirit say to you? I told an interesting story in my book, Should I Say Yes? Which I wonder, I would really like everybody here to read. Okay? Very, I think it's a good book. That's this book on marriage. And I think um, we, we, we discounted it quite well yesterday. I don't know exactly how much Felix is selling it out there. I said a story in there. I said, 
One brother came to me and said, did God speak to you concerning the wife you marry? I said, yes. He said, what did he say? He said, the officiating minister said, I pronounce you man and wife. And he laughed. He said, God speak. I said, he did. How did he do it? I said, at the point in time, they said, I hereby pronounce you man and wife. The man started laughing. He was sitting on the stool that day. He almost fell down from the stool. I said, but some people say, is that not carnality? No, he said, okay, how did God not speak to you before that day? I said, listen to me. I simply married the girl I liked. Some people say, no, this is not spirituality. I will explain to you what spirituality is. Spirituality is, what kind of girl do I like? That is what spirituality is. There are scriptures that, men marry for all kinds of things. Some say they want to marry a tall man, want to marry a short man. Some say they want to marry a fat woman. They want to marry a slim woman. Some, you know, Kim Kardashian is their problem. And I don't know how you allow that, that, that funny creature to be affecting your life. You know, when I was young, you know, something happened to me when I was young. I thought I would marry a woman whose her, her height must be just about my shoulder level. You ask me why? I don't know. I watched the film called The Ten Commandments. I don't know, it's old now. Many people may. This was, I watched that film around 19. It's long ago, very long ago, maybe around 70, around 1982, thereabout, 81, 82. And it stuck in my head when I was in Ten Commandments in my friend's house. I noticed that all the Cleopatras and the Nefertitis, and all the Egyptian girls, when we were standing beside Ramses and Moses, Moses and Ramses were muscular, they were tall, they had these bands in their hands. You know? And the wives were just about this height. And they looked so nice. <laughs> and it stuck in my boy's head. Honestly, it stuck in my boy's head. That is what they call carnality. So after watching too many films, if the girl doesn't look like uh, uh, what is it? Uh, what's the name of that girl? Who movies? Nigeria film? Genevieve. So something if you watch too many films, you will like Genevieve. Young guys, you every day you're starting a film like this. If God does not speak to Genevieve to be your wife, you will never hear him. Something has been formed in your heart. Listen, I need to clarify this. Some this is how it is. I know the way my mother suffered. I will never suffer like that. Why did the mother suffer? The father was not rich. Or he was rich when they started. He had problems at work or business. And then by the time she was like 10, she began to see struggles. The man didn't do well after that. Maybe he was sick so he couldn't really drive himself. And the mother had to suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer. And as far as I was saying, I will not suffer like this. What is the solution to suffering? To not suffering? I will marry a man that is made. Guarantee for poverty. <laughs> he said, the one with an evil eye runs after wealth, but does not know that poverty will come upon him. I'm serious. These are the things that form people, in, ideas in people's minds. There are people who want to marry rich girls. Did they have human beings? They say, what? Yes, so you marry your way out of poverty. That is spiritual idiocy. 
People do it. That is what carnality is. I've heard the things people have in mind when they want to choose husband or wife. The Bible tells us a few things. If, I, if, you re- if you read my article, The Good, The Righteous, and The Believing, I explained the particular principle inside there. Some even say they want to marry a good girl. And I know good girls are good. Who doesn't want to marry a good girl? Oh, we all want to marry good girls. But you're surprised if I say this. God doesn't want you to make goodness of girlness. Not my English there. <laughs> the primary issue in making a choice. No. If you read the Bible, it says charm is deceitful in the book of Proverbs. And it says beauty is vain. That word charm or favor. If you read favor, if you use King James, it says favor. My Bible with New Americans, I use the word charm. What it was saying is that what you call charm is what an average person calls the girl is good. Nice girl. She's respectful. She's generous. That's what the Bible calls favor. It's deceitful. Beauty, he said, is what? Vain. That one is easy to understand. If you want to look on a natural basis, Kim Kardashian is extremely beautiful. One day I saw a picture of her when she went to Caracalla. That was the day I found out she was related to um, Demo Shakaren. That was the day I found out. I, I told my wife that day, I said, yes, I understand. This girl is fine. But the Bible says it is what? Vain. And when the Bible says vain, it means it is not even to be thought about. When it says charm or favor is deceitful, what it means is that you can be deceived. It's a good thing that can deceive you. It said, but beauty shouldn't deceive you. Because it's totally what? Vain. Now he now says, but the woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. That is, that is what you should go for. It is not whether she's beautiful. It's not whether she has this good character. He it says it's whether she fears God. No matter how good a man or woman is. And so girls fall for it sometimes. I tell people that, it, and women, you are here, let me just tell you. Deliver yourself. God wired in such a manner that you respond to care. So for that reason, wicked men know how to take advantage of that wiring. So watch out. What did I say? Watch out. No, my birthday, he remembers. If I wake up in the morning, he has, call, he has called. His call is, is goodness. Goodness doesn't mean anything. It's deceitful. If I want to marry you, I'll treat you like that. No, think about it now. If I was a wife beater, you wouldn't know until you have married me. And I come to you, how are you doing? I open the door for you. You pass. <laughs> marry me first, and I close the door. Come and open it by yourself. <laughs> At that time, you are in. Let me summarize it. The Bible says, the woman who fears the Lord. It applies to the man also, actually. What God was saying, in effect, is that go for the fear of God. Ask yourself, what is most important in this fellow's life? I remember one young man that was my colleague. We all worked together somewhere one day. He said the, most, the thing he fears most in life, he said, is poverty. Don't marry a man like that. He'll use you to do money for juju. Is it juju for money? He'll use you. He said, the thing I fear most in life is poverty. He said it. That kind of person, no matter how nice he is to you, no matter how rich he is, run. Because one day, this life always changes. The breath of God blows. One day God will blow. Things will change. If a man says the thing I fear most in life is poverty, you and your children are at risk. Please, I'm explaining a principle here. 
talking about being led by the Spirit of God. That's what I'm trying to explain. So when I said then, I married a girl I liked. In that book, I explained it in details. I'm not just talking about, she looks nice to me. That's not the issue. There are things that God formed in my heart before that says to, that is, it forms the kind of woman I would like. I'm not discussing that now because I don't have the time. Just give it an idea. So if I tell you that, look, I like this person. It's not as simple as like for everybody. There are things I like about people. If you don't love the word of God, I can't like you. No, look, as a single man, it was... Look, it was normal. No matter how, much, no matter how far you look to me, no matter how nice you are to me, there are times, there are service you will make, all the attraction will disappear as if, you know, like balloon, you know the way balloon will burst. You have no regard for the word of God. If you, maybe I'm tempted to look. This is what the Bible says. I believe I'm out of this thing. Look. L- listen, listen. That is the end of this too. The gist has ended. And the annoying thing is this. This is the way I used to be. The annoying part is that you won't know. When I, those days when I was most angry, I said nothing. You hear me shouting, hey, this guy, I'm warning you. Just know he never vexed. He never vexed. He just won't pretend. He wanted to know he's angry. But when I don't vex reach my soul, I just shut down. But it's too, you just want, this guy doesn't even call me again. That's when you will know. Why? One day you will find out that I was talking to you, and I said, the Bible says, yeah, she said, leave Bible out of this one. I know you're talking again. Because if we talk, we go settle. To avoid settling, I know go talk. <laughs> because if I talk, you said me, I didn't mean it. When it's out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth spoke. No, you meant it. And I will go home with that. So when I say I married a girl I like, that's what I'm trying to explain. When we're talking about, I'm trying to explain something here. When we're talking about being led by the Spirit, it doesn't mean you heard a voice. It means your spirit has been trained by the Spirit of God and what the Spirit of God says is important is what is guiding your life. That's what it means. It doesn't mean you go around harassing people. God spoke to me. God spoke to me. God doesn't speak to you every day more than what he has said in this, his Bible. That is how he talks to you on a daily basis. He trains you to know truth from his word. And the truth you have learned guides your decisions. That's what it means to be led by. Look, go back to that Romans chapter 8. I said I'm going to explain some things from there. You will see Paul was saying something in verse 3. He said what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh. What was it that the law was supposed to do? I'll tell you. The law was supposed to make men righteous. The law was supposed to make people do things that are pleasing to God. The law was supposed to ensure that their lives were pleasing to God in every ramification. But the law could not do that. Why? Because they kept on breaking the law. Because they needed their own effort to obey those laws. He said, but God did that thing in, in verse 4 now, in verse 3. In sending his son through the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Let me quickly say something to you. And I want you to believe what I'm about to tell you. If you truly give your life to Christ, let me tell you something about I want to take a digression and I'll explain something. Once I went somewhere to preach, 
somebody said he saw a vision. And in that vision, well, it was a book somebody wrote. He said that 19, is it, he had, God told him that 90% or 99, I can't remember now, let's just say 90% of Christians are going to hellfire. And that 90% of pastors are going to hell. Somebody said, what do I think? I told them simply, listen. So I went somewhere to preach. It was my friend's church. And I said, today let me talk to you about assurance of salvation. I said, 90% of true Christians are not going to hell. It's not true. 90% of those who go to church can go to hell. It's possible. There's a difference between people who are truly Christians and those who go to church. There's a world of difference. So 90% of pastors are going to hell. I said, why not? That one, I'm even sure. Oh, I'm sure of that one. I agree. Do you know why? <laughs> I mean, if you have been to Portacot, every house in the church, as you're going on the road, you will see it. Jesus is coming again, international ministries. The next building, Jesus came back yesterday, international ministries. The one after that, I'm not sure about the other guy, I'm the real one, international ministries. One day I told somebody, I said, why are there so many churches in this city? He said, oh God, this is where the money is. He says, an oil city. I said, it's true. Because of the money, everybody opens a church. Many of them are not Christians. There's one I say all the time, let me not say it. Let me not. There's one guy in Lagos. I found him on DSTV the other day. I said, DSTV, you will no soon have problems. They will soon find you like they find MTN. <laughs> you put this man on TV. Many of you know who I'm talking about. He said, the man of God. <laughs> I said, this one man of God. If he's the man of God, I'm a white man. <laughs> Let's tell ourselves the truth. Let's call it speed, speed, I beg. Forget this. All kinds of people open churches. For some people, it's their shop. That's why all the messages will be shaped around collecting your offering. There are lots of people who are fake pastors. That's true. Once, a man was preaching a Bible school. He said, I'm a Bible school. Bible school student. He said, how many people here don't believe in God? And do you know, some people put up their hands. So he called one of them after. I said, please, this is a Bible school. What are you doing here? And the man gave him this statement. There's good box in the God racket. There's good box in the God racket. So when people join a denomination so that they get promoted... By the time you become a pastor in some of these are denominations, you are sure of a house. If you don't cause any trouble that they catch you, they can do the one nobody catches you. After some time, you retire like a normal civil servant. You get your pension. So many pastors are like that. Please, that's a matter of fact. So please, when somebody says you saw that vision, I won't fight the vision. My own message, however, let me get back to my message. My message, however, is that true Christians, true ones, they are extremely unlikely to be condemned unless they deny their Lord. Where a lot of people don't understand that they confuse people who go to church and true Christians. There's a man I knew once. He just sing in a church, you know? Very, very, and he became a musician popular in his own realm. So we tell him, my wife, I said, this guy is not born again. I said, how do you know? I said, I don't know. I go to the church where he sings in the choir and he's in front. Hey, hey, come on. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everybody, jump your hand. I said, my wife, that guy is a liar. I don't have time to explain it here. Eh? But I'll just be looking. Some people are, people are singing the song he sang in church and all of that. I tell my wife, 
I won't sing it. Say why? I said, because that fellow is not a Christian. I have seen him in church before, though. Oh, we worship him. Everybody raise your hands and begin to worship. I say, you? Please, we don't have all the time, okay? About why, why I came to that conclusion. Years later, something happened. They reported it to me. I told my wife, did I not tell you this man was not a believer? Something's happened. I said, I told you. I, I can't go into why I decided that. I knew him, you know, they said something. Like, you said, this man's not giving his life to Christ. Like, you've heard all these stories now that um, uh, Debanj was choir leader in Winner's Chapel. Uh, Terry G was choir leader here. I don't know anything about Terry G, but at least I know Debanj. All right? They said the band sang song, even NCC banned it, uh, NBC banned it on radio. They said he was, they said he, back, he didn't backslide. He was never born again. There's something about church. Let me tell you about church. It's a place where you can use your gift, your talent easily. They will encourage you to join the choir, free instrument, free guitar. You don't pay any money. So that is why a lot of musicians come out of church. Because that's a place where they got free practice. Uh, you see what I'm saying in a moment. True Christians are fewer than you realize. They are. From 5 a.m., we started going to early morning mass, early church services in Enugu. Just start from 5. Everybody's going to church. Most people who go to church, believe me, I've done the one saying this in the Bible that the broad is the way that leads to destruction. You say, why are you saying this in Pastor Banky? I'll get to it in a moment. I'm trying to emphasize that this is the reason why we don't understand the power of the Spirit of Christ. Because we judge in the lives of those who really didn't accept him. Sometimes churches have very good social structure. People blend in. What the law could not do was to make people subject to the law of God. He just told them about the law of God. But Christ, God did, sending his son so that Jesus condemns sin in the flesh. I'm bringing up something. If you are truly, listen to me, if you are truly, remember I said many are false, if you are truly a Christian, obeying the law of God is not hard. That's why I'm saying all of these things. What has been happening is that many people we see are not true believers. If you are truly a believer, truly, what gives you obedience is simply the revelation of truth. Once they say God said not like that, instantly you are able to do it. I didn't say temptation would not come. I did not say that. Jesus was tempted. Was he not tempted? But he overcame the temptation. And even Paul said it like this, God will not allow you to be tempted more than the one that you are able. When Christians sin, it is not because they could not resist it, it is because they were not careful to resist it. When an unbeliever is sinning, believe me, you can't counsel him out of it. He is under bondage. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He is under bondage. It's bondage. He's bound. The thing has power over him. But a true Christian, sin cannot have that kind of power over a true believer. The mistake we make a lot of times is that many people are not true Christians. We just go to church. And I can prove again from the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. They say on the last day, many will come to him and say, did we not heal in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? And you know what Jesus said? He did not say, you backslid. He said, I never knew you. I never knew you. 
you worker of iniquity. The man was pastoring a church. He was laying hands on the sick. They were getting well. And Jesus said, I never knew you. So I want to use that to emphasize the fact that many times people don't truly give their lives to Christ. You know why? Because giving your life to Christ actually has a cost. It equates the rich and the poor. Many rich can't take that. It equates the educated with the uneducated. They can't take it. When I read some stories, you know, missionaries came to Africa and many of them were not even believers. Huh. You say, ah, was a bank. is it possible for someone to be a missionary and not be a believer? Paul said it's possible to give your body to be burnt. And the love of God is not inside you. Something else is pushing you. If you are raised in a family of missionaries, you, it may be the only life you know. After the, and some people are missionaries because they are, they are adventurous. They want to go to the jungle of Africa and come back home with stories to tell. What am I emphasizing? Listen to this. A true believer in Christ Jesus has the ability, the power of God is in him, is in her. He has the ability, she has the ability to walk above sin. She has the ability. All she just needs, he, all he just needs is a knowledge. She sits down like this. He sits down like this. I'm teaching and I say, the Bible says, don't lie to one another. That's why Paul says those things in passing. The concept is that if you are amongst the people and you know truth, you have the spirit of Christ and you hear the truth, it becomes easy for you. Lying stops in your life. The day you tell one lie, your conscience says, oh boy, which time that one's that now? He says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And you now discover that, listen, I'm not saying temptations don't come, but you find out that as a true believer, you can resist those temptations. And for you, it has to be a temptation. Some people, it's not temptation. They just lie naturally. They steal naturally. They just commit adultery naturally. They can't, that is, this, you know, the way you will see water and drink without thinking. That's how they do this and they don't think. But you, Christian, you will stand and say, hey, is it, I'm being tempted. Satan, I'm warning you. <laughs> Sometimes Christians fall for temptations. Please let, me, let me explain that. I'm just saying, I won't discuss that now, that's not part of my message. I'm just saying that they can walk above sin. They can. Why? That was what the Bible said the law could not do. But Christ, God did through Christ Jesus. Bear that in mind. Paul was not explaining that further. You find out that the law had righteous requirements, but people could not f- fulfill those requirements. Listen to this. I told I had a colleague once. He said his greatest fear in life is the fear of what? Poverty. Remember that. Some pride is what is pushing them. Why are they doing what they are doing? I have to be the first to do it. Pride is pushing them. Ah, can you believe? My, my car must be the biggest when we we'll go home next Christmas. So everything they are doing is towards pride. That's what is propelling them. I hope you're getting my point. But there is something that, can, that propels other people. So that all they are thinking about is the love of God. All they are thinking about is the love of their neighbor. All they are thinking about is, is working in a manner that is pleasing to God the Father. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When somebody is living like that, the Bible says what is propelling him is the Spirit of God. Did you hear what I said? So he said, as many as are so propelled... 
as many as are so guided, as many as are so led, they are the sons of God. Did you hear what I said? He wasn't saying, as many as who wake up and say, who's that? Oh, Lord, wait, say it again, say it again. Oh, my son, turn the car key like this, it is start. Which is what a lot of Christians want to hear, and they think it's a sign of spirituality. No. To be led by the Spirit of God means to have everything you do in life determined by those things I mentioned. One, the desire to be pleasing to God. Two, the love for God, which is desire to be pleasing to Him anyway. Three, love for people. The love for the Word of God. That is all that is pushing you. He said that is what characterizes children of God. They are not pushed by competition. They are not pushed by pride. They are not pushed by anger. They are not pushed by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. They are not pushed by these things. They are pushed by the love of God, the desire to be pleasing to God. He said, those are the sons of God. So you see, it's easy to be led by the Spirit of God all the time. Unfortunately, many people spend their time training to hear voices. Instead of spending their time being trained with God's word. Even though you have the spirit of Christ in you, like I said earlier, knowledge is important. Knowledge is important. That's why the Bible explained that there are those who by reason of use have exercised their senses. There is a process of working in life that makes some things easy for you to discern. For example, Paul would be writing to the Corinthians. He said, this is, he said, okay, you, told, you asked me about this. Um, God didn't tell me anything. Listen to this. But I have the Spirit of God. Did you hear that? Paul said, God didn't tell me anything. The Holy Spirit said nothing to me, but I have the Spirit of God so I can give you an answer. What was he saying? I am not coveting your goods. I'm not trying to please you. I'm not trying to impress you. But I have, I have experience working with God. I understand the way God reasons. For that reason... Paul offered a personal opinion and you and I quote it today as scripture. And he said it clearly. It's my opinion. 